pray with me? Father, we are people in great need of hearing these words. Father, we're people in great need of uh, your comfort, uh, your strengthening. And so, Father, we pray, please, that you would help us hear your word this afternoon. You have spoken your word. And so we pray, please, that you would give us the ears to hear it. Amen. I spoke a few weeks ago about the, um, the kind of the verses that you find that people put like a picture of an animal on. Have we got this one? This is a classic, isn't it? Verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Does that sound like your life? I went for a jog recently. This is a little embarrassing. I went for a jog and I got so tired I had to catch a bus home. That's... What about emotionally though? Like life more generally, how you cope with life. Do you feel like you're soaring like an eagle? Spiritually, things with God. Are you the one who never grows faint? You are soaring up there in the sky with him. Or like me, um, emotionally, spiritually, are you a little more like a penguin than an eagle? Just kind of waddling along. Maybe you're a bit like verse 27. Maybe that rung true to you, to how Israel's feeling. They're saying, my way is hidden from the Lord. My claim is ignored by my God. We've heard as we've gone along through Isaiah that Israel actually deserved for God to turn away from them for a time. He sent them away. uh, He was going to send them away to to Babylon. This was the threat. Uh, This is what's happening. Um, They deserve that. And yet they feel like now he has utterly forgotten them. It feels like he's completely left them behind. Their sin has been like a wall between them, impenetrable. God's over there. They're over here. And he's just forgotten about them. I wonder if that feels a little bit like your life. But then God says to these people, feeling so distant from him, feeling like their sin is this massive barrier, God is at a distance, he doesn't care for them anymore, and he says these words, comfort, comfort my people. When he says things twice, you know, he really means it. It's comfort time, my people. Safety, peace strengthening. It's time for comfort. I think it's a funny word, isn't it? It's, it's not a very glorious word, comfort, is it? It's not this mighty word. It's very kind of homely, but it's beautiful, isn't it? Isn't, isn't this what we want? Don't we, don't we love comfort? It's very precious. Those times when you're um, afraid or sad or hurt, you just hear that bad news. And someone comes alongside, puts their hand on your shoulder, and just lets you know you're not alone. It's going to be all right. And they actually don't change your circumstances, but oh, how good it is to be comforted. Because comfort doesn't actually, it's not finally about circumstances. It's kind of beyond circumstance. So you know when you're a kid and you fall over and you skin your knee and mum or dad sort of scoop you up in their strong arms and say, it's going to be all right. And your knees are still bleeding. But you feel that comfort. You're safe, you're secure, you're strengthened. Well, today, friends, God says, comfort, 
comfort my people. It's going to be all right. Hear the tenderness? They're there. Comfort, comfort. God promises to bring comfort to his people, and he promises to bring comfort to us as we trust him, us weary people. The big message today is trust the God who comforts. No surprise there. So we're going to talk about three promises of comfort and then just sort of drive it home a little more. And as Christian people, we have even more reason to trust this God because his comfort has arrived in Jesus. So first thing, uh, the comfort of God's pardon. Look with me at verses 1 and 2. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, literally speak to the heart of Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of forced labor is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned and she's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. We've heard how Israel kind of deserved their punishment. That's actually what this idea of double is about. It's not like God's unfair. It's kind of an equal portion. It's like when you get a bit of papal and you double it over. It's kind of an equal on either side. The punishment has been equal to what they deserved. Um, they, they did deserve this. They were sent far from their home. It's like forced labor. They were like slaves. They were under God's heavy hand. And then all of a sudden, despite their sin, he says, comfort, comfort. Your forced labor, it's over, my people. Your iniquity, gone. Don't be deceived, friends. Sin is slavery. If you ignore God and just walk off in your own paths, um, it's actually like forced labor. Because you're not meant to live that way. And so it's always, it's always forced. You can't live as an authentic human and just forget the God who made you. It doesn't work like that. The sinner has no joy before God. You can't cast your mind towards God as a sinner and think, joy. I'm loved, I'm accepted. And unless something changes, it's going to remain that way for the sinner. Our sin getting what it deserves, apart from God and his goodness forever. But then, to people in their sin, caught in the enslavery to sin, God speaks these words, comfort. Comfort. Your iniquity, gone. Your forced labor, forcing against me, Finished. He speaks that word to us in the Lord Jesus who takes our sin upon himself and takes it away. Israel felt like there was a wall between them, between them and God, and there was. It was called sin. But Jesus causes that wall to fall down. It crumbles. It crumbles upon him. We're going to hear more about that next week. But because of what God has done in the Lord Jesus, he can say to us, comfort. Your forced labor is over. Your iniquity is pardoned. So come to me. Know my love. Know my acceptance of you. You're welcome. Comfort. I was walking to work this morning um, and praying, and I was praying the Lord's Prayer, and as I got to this, Father, forgive us our sins, I was thinking of the way God has blessed me. Uh, I'm the luckiest person in the world. You probably already know that. Um, but God has blessed me with an incredible family. And yet the way I treat them, my anger and impatience and selfishness, I mean, how, how can I take that good gift of his and distort it so badly? 
what is wrong with me? Like, it's not just that I, I'm, a, I'm a broken person. I'm a guilty person. Like, I've done a bad thing over and over. How can I think of God and have any comfort before him with those thoughts in my mind except for Jesus? Praise God for Jesus. My iniquity, gone. Praise God. Comfort. Comfort. The comfort of God's pardon. Secondly, the comfort of God's presence. Read on with me from verse 3. A voice of one crying out, Prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. God's coming back to his people and nothing's going to stop him. Verse 4, every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places are plain. And then the glory of the Lord will appear. And all humanity together will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Can you imagine someone you've wronged and, and, and you say sorry and they say, look, I forgive you, but I never want you in my presence ever again. God says, I forgive you and I'm coming to be right next to you. I'm coming to be with you. My glory is coming to you. Judah doesn't deserve this at all. Uh, we don't deserve this. Uh, and yet this is his promise. Our sin is not going to get in the way. He's coming near. And ultimately we have this happening in the Lord Jesus. When he's coming on the scene, John the Baptist speaks, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert because he's coming. God has taken on flesh in the Lord Jesus. He's come near to humanity and he's never going away. He's come near to us. He's never going away. He says uh, when he departs at the end of Matthew's gospel, Uh, Surely I am with you till the very end of the age. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Maybe you're the sort of person who kind of has a sense that there is a God and you want to be somehow close to this God and you're not quite sure how to get close to God. What are you going to do? Actually, the answer is you've gotten the wrong end of the stick. He's come near to you. You just need to accept Jesus. I was speaking to someone this week suffering severe depression, and we read, um, we read about God's presence with us, no matter what. It's a great comfort. A great comfort. God is with us. The comfort of God's pardon, the comfort of God's presence, and the third thing we hear of is the comfort uh, of, sorry, the comfort of God's powerful protection. From verse 9, it sounds like Um, Well, let me read verse 9 first. Zion, herald of good news, go up on a high mountain. Jerusalem, herald of good news, raise your voice loudly. Raise it, do not be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. And here we get, it's like an announcer welcoming back this victorious warrior king. Verse 10, see the Lord comes with strength and his power establishes his rule. His reward is with him and his gifts accompany him. And you're thinking, this is like, This is power. This is glorious talk. And then you get verse 11. He protects his flock like a shepherd. Where did that come from? What a juxtaposition. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. Isn't that beautiful? 
exactly what Israel needs. A God who is mighty and tender, caring for them. It's exactly what we need, isn't it? We live for, under all sorts of rulers in our lives. We're ruled by our mortgage, ruled by our jobs, ruled by our bodies and our need to look after these bodies, ruled by all sorts of things, and they're tyrannical rulers. You know what they say to you? More. Get to work. More. I love a line from the song, Jesus is Better. It says, your kindly rule has shattered and broken the curse of sin's tyranny. Jesus is our king and he is nothing like those tyrannical rulers. He's powerful and he is humble and good. He is the one who says to the storm, be still, and it is. And he's the one who serves the needy, the good shepherd who comes beside each one of us. The comfort of God's pardon, the comfort of God's presence, the comfort of his powerful protection of us. What reasons for comfort we have. But the question is, where do we actually look for comfort? Great reasons to look to our great God, trust the God who comforts. But where do we actually look? It's a strange thing. We live in, I think, in, in this, a time in history where circumstantially we are more comfortable than we've ever been. Uh, internally, maybe not so much. There's lots of internal discomfort, isn't there? We're still afraid and, and, and we have discontent and all these sorts of things. Um, and what do we do with our discomfort? How do we find the comfort? Uh, it's, we do all sorts of weird things. I, I was struck this week. We try to escape reality because reality is full of discomforts. And, and we do it by strange things like watching TV. Um, and we watch reality TV to escape reality. I, I never thought about that before. It's weird. Um, just a glass of wine at the end of the day to, to kind of sedate reality. Um, or what I'm doing at the moment, which is eating and daydreaming to escape reality. Doesn't really work. Um, you know why? They're, those things can't do the job. They're not real. My daydreams are not real. Sedating reality doesn't make it go away. Um, we've got to deal with the reality that this world is not as it should be. And we can't do it ourselves. And the problem here is, if we've got nothing to look to for comfort, we are very fragile people. We are baseless people. What are we standing on? Where are we finding strength? So verse 6, a voice was saying, cry out. Another said, what should I cry out? All humanity is grass and all its goodness is like the flowers of the field. We've got nothing. We're weak. The grass withers, the flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows on them like a dandelion. We've got no strength in and of ourselves to deal with the discomforts of this world. We can change a couple of circumstances, but that's it. Well, praise God. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. When God speaks, things happen, and things happened in Jesus. What did he speak? He spoke comfort. Comfort, comfort, my people. Your iniquity, gone. That life of meaninglessly being enslaved to sin, finished. I'm coming to you, 
and I'll never leave you alone. I will be your mighty, tender king. Because you see, we have a real basis for comfort. Uh, Something in reality that the Lord Jesus has actually turned up in the flesh and done something for our comfort. Not just tweaked a few circumstantial things, but changed your very state before God. Your presence, your future, changed. We have a basis for real comfort. And our God is totally able to deliver on his promise. You know, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Who's the Lord? He's the guy that the rest of the chapter goes on to talk about. How good are those words? What will you compare me with? The nations are like a drop in a bucket compared to me, says the Lord. What's going to stop him delivering on his promise? Nothing can stop him delivering on his promise. And so he says, why do you say, why do you assert my way is hidden from the Lord? My claim is ignored by my God. Don't you know? Have you not heard? Yahweh is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never grows faint or weary. There's no limit to his understanding. Do you think he knows where you're at? Do he knows how life's going for you? Absolutely. He gives strength to the weary and strengthens the powerless. Youths may faint and grow weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. We will find comfort. That's the same word in the original, same root. We will renew our comfort. We'll soar on wings like eagles and run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So brothers and sisters, trust the God who comforts. There's nothing else in the world you can look to but him. I'm going to close with one last observation. This is my hint to Jerry. She's got, uh, yeah, okay, it's all right. I was meant, don't worry. <laughs> last observation. Um, you know when you comfort someone else, it's a great thing to be able to do, isn't it? Um, like crying baby and you hold them and they stop crying, that's so good. You can comfort someone. Or, or the grown-up, when you're able to come alongside them and just put your arm around them and just try to be there for them and speak some words to them. Question for you, what words do you speak? Like, you know, my kid falls over and hurts their knee or something, and I say, there, there, it'll be okay. I hope they don't turn around to me and say, how do you know, Dad? You know, on what basis do you make that supposition, Father? Um, you know, because I'd have nothing to go on. <laughs> Um, on what basis can you comfort people? What have we got to say? This chapter wants to tell us that we have something to say. Interestingly, verse 1, comfort, comfort, is actually a command. He's saying to his people, comfort each other. Do the work of comforting. And I'll tell you why you can do that work, because there's lots of reasons for comfort. Um, So do the work of comforting. And then over and over in this chapter, he's saying, comfort, announce it, proclaim it, share the news. And so uh, Isaiah is meant to bring comfort by his announcement to, to Jerusalem. And then Jerusalem, or Zion, is meant to announce it to everyone else. See verse 9? Zion, herald of good news, go up on the mountain and, and raise your voice. That's what we're meant to do. We've been comforted. We've got words now to comfort others with. 
2 Corinthians 1, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Friends, we have real words of comfort, actual, real words of real comfort. So what words do you use to comfort your brothers and sisters? Can we use real words, gospel words, real comforting words? Can we try to use those words for others as well? Real words, not just there's plenty more fish in the sea. It'll work out all right. But real gospel words. Well, friends, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing of the fact that God has brought us comfort. Not necessarily changing our outward circumstances, but changing the condition of our souls. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have spoken these words of comfort. Um, And they're not just vacuous words. You just spoke hoping. But you answered these words by sending your son, the word of God, Jesus, who acted so that we might have comfort in you. Father, thank you so much for your pardon for our sin. Thank you so much for your presence, that you're here with us now and you'll never leave us. Father, thank you that you are such a wonderful king in power and in tenderness. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.